Welcome back to the Nebraska Disc Golf Podcast. My name is James Fleege. There's a bunch of stuff we're going to dive into today. Lots of tournaments that have happened since the last podcast. I'll get results on those. I've been given a hot tip on a new course coming to Kearney. More on that. I'll be giving you info on a couple new winter putting leagues that have popped up in the state. I'll be announcing the winner of the Champion Shrike giveaway. And thanks to Disc Gauntlet, I have a couple other things to give away today. This week's guest is the superintendent of Mahoney State Park and my 2004 Junior Doubles World Champion partner, Mr. Jake Rodick. Jake has designed and installed several courses at various state rec areas across Nebraska, which has been a huge valuable asset in growing the sport statewide. A lot of fun talking to Jake. Good to catch up. But before we get into all that, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Nebraska Disc Golf Podcast is sponsored by Zen Llama. Zen Llama is a disc golf lifestyle store based out of Lincoln. They've got a bunch of new plastic from Prodigy and Discmania, and they're the only store in Lincoln that sells Discmania. If you're in the market for a new bag, they have the newly redesigned Prodigy B2 V3 in stock. Get a hold of them for all your disc golf needs in Lincoln. When you stop in there, be sure to mention the podcast for 10% off your total purchase. And thanks again to Zen Llama, Lincoln's only disc golf lifestyle store. All right start off with some tournament coverage again today. We've had quite a few events since the last podcast. Let's just move on down the line here. Back on Halloween, October 31st, was the Boomfest 2021 fundraiser in Norfolk. They were able to raise $335 for Boomfest next year. That money will go to players' packs in prizes. Nathan Brookmeyer was able to come away with the win here. Next up, the Disc Gauntlet Trilogy Challenge. This was on Saturday, November 7th at Tierra Park in Lincoln. Each player received three discs to play with, one of each Latitude 64, Dynamic, and Westside discs. Nick Babin won this one in a playoff. There was a four-way tie for first. Also happening on Saturday, November 7th, was the Disc Gauntlet Open at Cotton Mill and Kearney. Taking home the wins in Open, James Chamberlain, Advanced, Logan Gross, Intermediate, Quentin Colwell, Rec, Emma Arp, and Rec Women, Kathy Francis. Another one on Saturday, November 7th. This was a big day for disc golf in the state. They had the OMDGA Club Championship at Seymour Smith in Omaha. Will Schramm took home the win. Moving on to the Oak Hollow Affair. This was on Sunday, November 8th in Plattsmouth. Pretty windy day in Plattsmouth. When I looked at the weather, it was 25 miles per hour all afternoon. Taking home the win that day in Pro Masters above 40, Scott Innes. Pro Masters above 50, Blake Needles. Advanced, Benjamin Peters. Advanced Masters over 40, Robert Salnicki. Advanced Masters over 50, Gary Mueller. Advanced Masters women over 50, Tracy Fuller. Advanced Masters over 60, Roy Nakai. Intermediate, William Jennings. Intermediate women, Veronica Fernandez. In rec, Eric Watson. Rec women, Ruth Briggs. And the junior division, Eli Horner. Next up was the Falconwood Open. This was Saturday, November 14th in Bellevue. Taking home the win in open was my guy, Jeremiah Weir. In intermediate, Will Steinmetz. And in rec, Taryn Corder. And last but not least, a top 10 contender for the strangest tournament name of the year, Horton. Here's a Wanahoo. This was Sunday, November 15th at Lake Wanahoo in Wahoo. This was another very windy day out there. People said there were 20, 30, 40 mile per hour winds all afternoon, which is going to make for a very tough day of disc golf at a wide open course like Lake Wanahoo. 
But besting the wins and taking home the W's in open, Johnny Applegate, Pro Masters Above 50, Troy Renault, Advanced, David Ennenbach, Advanced Masters Over 40, Robert Salnicki, nice couple weeks for Robert, Advanced Masters Over 50, Richard Maher, Advanced Masters Women Over 50, Tracy Fuller, Advanced Masters Over 60, Roy Nakai, Intermediate, Alex Dowdy, in rec, Aaron Young, and in rec women, Carrie Dowdy. All right, a couple upcoming tournaments to kind of close down the year of tournament play. The LFDC Club Championship is going to be in Lincoln on Saturday, November 21st. You must be an LFDC member to play. It is free to play. This will be at Tierra Park, and just like leagues, there's going to be a flex start. You can get started any time of the day you would like. Scoring is on UDISC with a group of at least three people. But unlike regular leagues, you can only play one time through for this event. So you got to make your first round count. As I mentioned on the last podcast, the Thanksgiving Classic at Pearson Ranch in Yankton, South Dakota is also on November 21st. It is a PDGA C-tier event, temporary layout, $1,300 in added cash. Go check that one out. As I was recording this, I noticed there was a last minute tournament that popped up courtesy of Scott Hoffman. Love it when he does this. Happy Thanks Disking will be on November 28th. This will be a PDGA C-tier event. It'll be a one-round flex start from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. It is still being decided where the tournament is going to take place. Right now, it looks like it's between Seymour Smith in Omaha or Mahoney State Park. It's also possible that there will be the tournament on Saturday the 28th at one of the courses and a separate tournament the following day on Sunday the 29th at the other course. You can check the OMDGA Facebook page for more info on that, and I'm sure Scott will be getting the events pages posted around once he finalizes the details. And next up, we have a couple new putting leagues that have popped up in the state. In Norfolk, starting on December 6th and running for six weeks, they will be having an indoor putting league that will be $6 a session, or you can prepay $30 for all six weeks. The overall winner is going to receive a Dynamic Discs Marksman basket, and pros will be playing for cash on a weekly basis, and AMs will be playing for prizes. Grand Island will be having a putting league. At the time of this recording, details have yet to be announced, But there will be a putting league coming to Grand Island, so keep an eye on the Grand Island and Tri-Cities Disc Golf Facebook page for more info on that. And as I mentioned in the last episode, there is the putting league in Omaha, well, La Vista, actually. It's at Nebraska Brewing Company every Wednesday evening. This is a $5 entry, sign up by 6 p.m. with three putters. This putting league is running through March. Okay, moving on. During the last podcast, I had a story about a good Samaritan who mailed me my disc back and also included another one in the package, which was very nice. So I decided to give that away. It is a champion shrike, and that will go to Alex Dowdy. And the crowd goes wild. Congrats, Alex. All right, and in this episode, I have a couple things to give away here. Courtesy of Disc Gauntlet, I have in my hand a Team Pyroheiser clipboard to keep scores on. This thing is the perfect size to slip into your bag. And the other item, I'm just going to refer to this as bag swag because I can't remember exactly what Jake from Disc Gauntlet told me this was good for. But it's a little wood token-like thing that has Toad from Mario on there and it says one up. It has something to do with swapping bag tags and that's about all I know. But at the very least, it looks sweet so you can just hang it on your bag. To have a chance at winning these, just share this episode of the podcast on Facebook, and I will keep an eye out for it and pick a winner next episode. Thank you to Disc Gauntlet. 
Speaking of little scoreboards and scorecards, the PDGA has announced modifications to the rules for the 2021 season. There's several changes on there, but one noteworthy thing that I'll mention. Beginning in 2021, there will have to be two scorecards kept per group during tournament play. I'm just going to read the new rule here so we can all be on the same page. The tournament director must provide two scorecards to each group to be kept independently of one another. These scorecards may be of the same medium or of different media. The two scorecards must be reconciled by the group and submitted by whichever method the tournament director has designated as the official scoring method for the tournament. So the PDJ hasn't specified exactly why they're doing this, but could be a couple different things. This rule is more safe with COVID because it avoids having to pass scorecards around so one person would just hold on to a physical copy. If specified by the TD, UDISC can be used as one of the options along with a paper scorecard. This also ensures the accuracy of a scorecard. As mistakes do happen occasionally and someone could write down the incorrect score for themselves or a card mate. A separate scorecard gives two different, but hopefully the same, points of reference for accuracy that you can go back and check at the end of the round, given there be any sort of mishap. This could also ensure that if someone was keeping score solely on UDISC and their phone dies, that there is a physical copy of the scorecard to reference, so you could go back and see what everyone scored on the holes leading up to that. For example, during leagues this past week at Tierra in Lincoln, I was playing with Jeremiah Weir, and I was keeping score for us on UDISC, and my phone died with three holes left, but luckily he was able to jump right in on UDISC and take over keeping score without us having to backtrack and figure out what we had on the holes prior to that. But a situation like this is an example of a mishap that can happen with electronic scoring. So having that to pair with a physical copy seems to me like just a good idea moving forward. Probably not super often that it would happen that someone else on your card wouldn't be able to jump in like Jeremiah did and take over scoring on UDISC, but I bet that would happen at some point to someone throughout the year. And also, a lot of times in tournaments, I see people keeping score themselves regardless of if they have the actual scorecard or not. So people are already kind of doing it, but now for the 2021 season, it will become a rule with the PDGA. And as I mentioned, it is up to the tournament director to specify what two forms of scores will be kept for that event. The full list of changes to the rulebook for the 2021 season can be found at pdga.com. All right, a couple course improvements happening in Lincoln. At Roper East, there are now tee signs at all short placements. All of the tee boxes have been mulched to protect your ankles when you're teeing off. And there has been directional signs installed at various points around the park pointing you to the next tee. I was reading some comments on UDISC about Roper East a little while back and noticed a few people from presumably out of state or not in the area who had played the course, who said they were a little confused when playing and may have skipped a few holes by accident. So I thought it'd be a good idea to get these signs in. If you're a local and have played the park before, yeah, you probably don't really need the sign, but they sure look nice. Anyways, there is also a new pin placement on hole 15. This new long placement plays about 500 feet. It plays as a par four with the basket tucked way back in the woods. Definitely birdieable. Could get an eagle on it with a nicely placed drive, but it plays tough. While I was getting the area trimmed up, I saw people scoring anywhere from three to seven or so on the hole. And on the other side of the interstate at Roper West, there is a new long position on hole number 18. Next, I've got some breaking news. In Kearney. There is a new course coming your way. It will likely be in late spring of 2021 at the earliest before it's fully installed. It was described to me as if you consider Centennial a beginner's course 
and Cotton Mill an advanced course, this new course could be considered intermediate level. The park is apparently clean cut like Centennial, but with more distance and elevation. That is all the info that I have on it right now. I will keep you posted with updates when I get them, but glad to hear Carney is getting another course. That's awesome. Next up, Jake Rodick. My former doubles world champion partner stopped by the studio to talk. In the interview with Jake, I have to apologize for the voices being a little muted, along with some clicky, rustly type sounds happening throughout. Wearing a mask while talking into a microphone isn't necessarily an ideal way to record people speaking, but these are the times that we're living in right now. Anyways, here we go with Jake Rodick. So you come from a pretty long lineage of your family working within various state park systems. Because your grandpa was a superintendent in Illinois for 35 years. And then your dad, Dusty, had worked in Nebraska, South Dakota, and Colorado. And now you. Yep, absolutely. No, it's it's been something that I've grown up with and has always been been a passion of, of mine. Some of my first memories were living in Cotton Mill Park in Kearney. So yeah, spent a few years out there. Then we moved out to Amherst, but dad was always working in the parks for Kearney. And uh, like you said, my grandfather was at the Channel Lake State Park in Illinois for 35 years. Okay. Uh, so every Thanksgiving we'd go back and spend a week out at the park house out there running around exploring the park. Um, That's doing, awesome. Doing a bunch of outdoor outdoor activities. We'd go. Uh, family tradition is going pheasant hunting on Thanksgiving out there on the park property and uh, just making memories like that. So yeah, it's it's been great. I was very fortunate um, to kind of get into that same field. Let, let me back up just a little bit. So you actually lived at Cotton Mill for a while when I, you were younger? I did. Nice. I did. Was that so. like pre-disc golf course? Yeah, that would have been pre-disc golf course. Okay, yeah. cool. I We moved out. No, shoot, I think it was... 90, 96 or 97, we moved out of the, the park house in Cotton Mill. Is, is that like a state park there, or is that just like a city park? Um, it's it's a city park. At one time, it may have been a a, a state park. Okay. That I'm not 100% sure So was on. he like kind of the caretaker? Or? Yeah, yeah. He was the, the superintendent at Cotton Mill. Um, cool. We moved moved to Nebraska basically for that job. Uh, Dad was working for parks out in Colorado. Prior to that, got a job opportunity at Cotton Mill. Interesting. We, I didn't. So you were born in Colorado then? Yep, born in Colorado. Huh, we, I didn't we, know that. Where at? Uh, Wheat Ridge. Wheat Ridge. Yeah, they had a cabin up in the mountains just outside of Golden. Oh, nice. Yeah. Gosh, that's that's one area where I have not played as much disc golf as I wish I would have. Yeah, no, it's that's a lot of fun. Out. I haven't played a whole lot of mountain golf, but I we played a couple courses in Frisco and um, sure. higher elevations, and everything flies different. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jeez. And I mean, courses out there with elevation, just like hiking around is so much more difficult carrying around a bag than it is in Nebraska. Right? A- absolutely. So when you went out to Chadron, you were like a temp worker for a couple years or something, right? And then kind of made your way into the superintendent position there? I, I was. I, I started out as a as a seasonal temporary worker out, out of Chadron while I was going to college um, and started actually as uh, maintenance grounds and doing the the equestrian trail rides okay. out there. I had a little background for horses growing up, so sure. they they stuck me on that three days a week. And okay, what were you studying in college? Uh, studied environmental resource management. Okay, um, t- kind of to go go through uh, the parks route and 
Uh, didn't know if it was gonna gonna lead me in the conservation officer realm or kind of where I wanted to go. Wildlife, fisheries. Um, that was kind of a, a a degree that I'd be able to to pick and choose from which direction I wanted to go. So was there was there a course at Chadron State Park when you were there? Um, initially, when I very first started. Um, going to college out there, there was some homemade baskets and, and different things that some guys in town had been kind of manufacturing themselves. And, uh-huh. um, it was a real short, short nine hole course that was, was out there. It was kind of run down in disrepair when I first started working out there. Sure. Um, but that was obviously a, a passion that I, I brought to, yeah. to my eye for the parks and, um, kind of during my, my time out there was always while I was out working in the trees, looking for, for neat, neat course design yeah, holes is something that I've, I've done growing up with, with dad and kind of gone across the state, um, doing that. So kind of always in the back of my mind when I first started, I was like, Hey, it'd be really cool to, to get a course in out here. And yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's, it's so it's so awesome to have someone in your position in the state who has like a disc golf upbringing, who is able to bring all of these courses to the state. Like yep. it's, yes, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> like it's such, it's such a cool thing, man. And I, I want to get into some more of that in a minute, but just to kind of bring us up to speed on where you are currently. So you were, you were at Chadron and then you went to Mahoney yep. and I think this April is going to be your 10 year anniversary with the parks system, right? As a yeah, starting starting temporary full time, it'll be it'll be five years uh, this November actually November thirtieth. Oh. I'll oh, be okay. out at Mahoney, so nice. Been been out at Mahoney uh, for five years, and then basically five years out at Chattern. I'm kind of starting my temporary positions and stuff out cool. there. So so how how did you end up at Mahoney? They just had an opening, and just, that was just the park you wanted to go to, or. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. No, Mahoney's kind of always been the the flagship park for Nebraska. So yeah, it was incredible. It was an exciting opportunity. I had had experience being out at Shadron, knew the the park system a little bit, um, but was wasn't necessarily expecting the the position out at Mahoney. I started applying for a bunch of full time positions. Yeah. Um, Mahoney was kind of my my end goal, and wanted to get there and see what I'd be able to to learn and, uh, kind of grow, grow my career from, from there. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome that you're, were able to get into that at such a young age too. I mean, yeah. what are you like 30, 31 now? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm 30 right now. So I got out at Mahoney when I was 25. So that's amazing. man. <laughs> very, that's like such a cool job to land <laughs> at any point in time, but let alone as a 25 year old. That's, yep. that's great. Yep. Absolutely. So when you were out at Shadron, is that when the course was put in? Because the course is within the state park grounds, correct? There, there is, it was, um, kind of in two phases. Um, when I just started the first year as a, the assistant superintendent, there was another superintendent out there, um, he had already had a, a local guy weld and manufacture some disc golf baskets, yeah. um, kind of without my knowledge to, to start with. Yeah. Um, and then kind of learned, Hey, I, I know a little bit what I'm doing in, in that realm. Sure. Um, so I, I helped design the, the first nine that got it, got put in out there. Shoot. I'm trying to think it would have been probably 2012 that that first nine got, got installed. 
Um, so I had to hand in that, line out some of the, the initial holes for, for that. And after the head superintendent moved on, um, I had kind of free reign to go through and design the, the course that I, I really wanted to put yeah. in. Um, so I mean, that, from what I've heard, people think that's like an awesome course out there. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really, really neat. I'm really happy how how it turned out after I got the, the second nine in and was, was able to incorporate most of the, the first nine that I had designed in there. The the front nine is is kind of uh, a little bit easier, uh, kind sure. of in some more of the mani- manicured uh, front park area as you come into the park. Yeah, you'll play along the the trout lake and paddle boats uh, lake that's right there at the park entrance and kind of along the creek that's that's manicured. But kind of the the back half is is up in the the ponderosa pines, playing cool. playing through the cabins, throwing off some tops of buttes. Um, had designed it for multiple pin locations and tee pad nice. locations on on some of the holes, so it gives it gives it some diversity. Was just finishing up with the design um, and actually had got the funding through a, a tourism grant out there for Dawes County okay. to, to get the second nine put in. And just as I was I was leaving, um, I got the baskets in, so I didn't even get to to get the install in, but had everything marked out and, oh, okay. <laughs> and had... Had one of my good friends out there was then the the assistant superintendent, and he kind of took the lead and and got the course actually installed on the design that I had come up with. So nice. Okay. Yeah, it turned out just how I wanted it. So that that's kind of funny to go through all all that work with designing and securing the funding and all that, and then like right before it's in, you kind of have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I imagine that was a little nerve wracking. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. especially as like, oh, there's anytime you're designing courses, there's if a, a tee pad or a pin is two foot this direction or oh, the yeah. other, it can completely change the hole. So I was, I was a little nervous yeah. just leaving flags in the ground going, all right, install it exactly like this. But it, I think it turned out, turned out well. And it's, I still need to get up and, and play, play up a chattern and, uh, I played it a hundred times when it was a temp course, but I, I have yet to actually play the full 18 since it's been installed. Oh, really? <laughs> I haven't been been back out there. I haven't, haven't been back to play your design? I haven't been out there to play my design yet. Oh, man. So that's, right. that's killer, especially everybody saying how, how great it turned out. <laughs> I, I walked through it. I had enough time to, oh... I think it was 2016 or 17. I went back up there and visited one of my good buddies that still lived up there, and had enough time to go through and walk everything and just say, okay, yeah, everything got put where it, mostly where it should be. So, sure. um, but I didn't have time to time to play play it necessarily. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like people like it, so I think it all worked out. But that's funny that you mentioned that about the basket position because I was out at uh, Roper East earlier this week installing a new pin position on 15 and I was standing back in the woods and just, you know, looking at the shot lines or whatever, and just totally belaboring over Mm -hmm. the decision of where this basket belonged. And I'd step three feet to my left and just think, Oh geez, you know, maybe, (laughs) maybe I should go three feet to the right and then look at that. And it's just a lot to consider, you know? So I totally get that. Anyways. So when you got to Mahoney, I'm assuming that course was not put in yet. Um, actually it was, 
Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's been in. I think the first nine was installed back in 2011. There's been a been a few changes uh, just with construction at the park um, that we've had to have some some temporary holes and um, yeah. I'd actually for uh, state games two years ago gone through and redesigned a an 18 hole course that was completely different and yeah Anita and I got into a little bit of that yeah that and cool and had kind of installed a, a temporary course and got that cleaned up for for state games so that was that was neat so you got the the back nine or like the second nine put in once you were there then um actually the the whole whole thing was it was 18 holes when i when i got here to to mahoney oh, so okay um a lot of that has kind of been been put in place i think the back nine um aaron brooker had some some input on oh nice such a beautiful park yeah absolutely no the the team team that we have out at mahoney is is extremely passionate and dedicated so i can't give enough credit to those guys uh, yeah and they're moving baskets all the time and stuff too it's nice to nice to have that it's a it's a great great team mentality out at the park and trying to to take care of everything is is a big challenge but they're up to it and yeah um, we've got a, a certainly a passionate and dedicated staff out there that makes things go a long ways. So. Cool. Yeah. So you mentioned something in our emails about how you might have to redesign part of the course due to something new being installed there. Correct. Yeah. No, we're where the course starts right now, kind of right next to our greenhouse conservatory. We have uh, design plans for a new education center. Okay. A naturalist education for the park. Previously, that was housed in our our Riverview uh, Group Lodge. Okay. It was up by the observation tower. But we've got a another construction project going on right there for kind of. A, a big event hall facility, especially dedicated for weddings and uh, corporate retreats, groups, things like that. So, okay. Um, with the new construction of the the nature center, we're going to have to be be changing up the the holes pretty pretty dramatically. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So it will be about doubling or tripling the space or the size of the the building that's currently there, adding on to it to the north. So okay, basically will be affected. And- yeah, number number one, eighteen, kind of gone through. Um, have a, a design in my head for for a new new course. Probably eight or so of the the existing holes would stay. Um, okay, the rest of them would be kind of new, redesigned, and kind of different different starting location would be uh, probably up by the behind the activity center where the, the course would start. The activity center is the building just um, as if you're coming into the park just before you get to the course. Uh, it's just, we just added our, our new venture climb. It's a full indoor rock climbing facility. Nice, sweet. Yep, so kind of off, off the back of that. How many people hit that building on what's currently hole one right now? It <laughs> seems, seems like probably a lot. Probably a lot. And there's, oh, it amazes me how many how many discs are up on top of the the glass glass roof of that yeah. building, and they tend to get wedged under the the glass. And yeah, I can imagine. No, yeah. no, I'm assuming no one's ever like hit it and broken a window or something like that. Oh, they have. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's. We've had to replace a couple windows and and things on that. So it, it'll be be good just maintenance wise, moving the first hole kind of away from that facility. So. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine so, man. So it's a lot, kind of a lot of the the back holes are the ones that are going to stay. Then that, that would a lot of the back holes would stay the same. Okay, um, one would be completely different. Two, three um, 
hole number eight, I might move the, the T pad and kind of change up that hole that might turn into number four. Okay. Um, and then kind of play through to about hole 13, 14 and 15 would be new, new holes. There's, there's one hole. It's probably somewhere around the 13 through 15 range. Mm-hmm. Kind of plays along the tall grass and then it's like a big dog leg left and it goes down a little valley and the basket's like way tucked back yep. up in there. Is, is that hole staying? Um, that hole, I, I think it's, I'm basically going to flip the, flip the direction of the, Interesting. the course. So you're going to be starting by the basket and, okay. um, you'll kind of play that hole backwards. There's so much good land out there with like the rolling hills and all the trees and stuff like that. Yeah. Excited to see how that's going to turn out. Yeah, absolutely. No. And, and, and some of it, um, kind of when the course was initially designed, those trees were a lot smaller. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of impact to play that has, has come up since uh, in the last 10 years when the course was put in those, sure. those trees you could throw over or weren't, weren't necessarily right in your, your flight path. So. Yeah, absolutely. When, when do you anticipate all of this kind of happening? Um, some of the pin locations I actually was proactive and put in this spring. So just to kind of get ahead of it, we didn't know when construction was, was going to start. Originally, we we're going to start construction this summer, then COVID hit and everything kind of, uh, slowed down a little bit, but right. we've got about 90% design on the, the current facility. So hopefully cool. next spring we'll, we'll start construction and at that point we'll, we'll go through and tweak the course to make sure it's still playable and nice tee pads and baskets around and okay so there's a couple pretty awesome campgrounds at the park do you find that you get a lot of people coming through for you know weekend trips or what have you just going out to casually play rounds who might not be regular disc golfers we we do actually it's 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 kind of neat to see um in the campground we've got a, almost 150 campsites out at the park um and then al- yeah. also lodging we have 57 cabins and 40 lodge rooms in our peter Kiewitt lodge so a cool. lot, lot of overnight occupancy um and we we rent out discs at the the front desk to people that nice. had come out and are looking for inexpensive activities to go do. So yeah, we'll, we'll rent out some discs to families, and they go out and and have a have a great time on the course, which is exciting to see. Yeah, for um, sure. I've got a got a young family my myself now. So my my oldest daughter Brooklyn, she's she's six, so she's d- just getting into to play, and she's old enough to finally start throwing a disc. Sweet. And so that's, that's awesome. Yep, we've been out on the course. That's about the extent that I've played is just kind of with the family and yeah. and enjoying the the true nature of being outside. Absolutely, um, being on the course and enjoying it. So from what I know, throughout the years, you've Put in quite a few different courses throughout the state, right? I, I have. I, about a year and a half, two years ago, I kind of after the, the course out in Shadron got got established and kind of got noticed a little bit. A lot of the, the other area superintendents were like, hey, the, we're looking for inexpensive activity for our guests to be able to enjoy while they're out at the park yeah. and kind of have have more for the for the parks to offer than just your your standard camping and water activities at some of the state rec areas so kind of got on a, a list we had a division meeting uh, with all the parks and everybody kind of got put on a list hey who wants to who wants to have a disc golf course in their park so i kind of helped coordinate uh, the purchase of some of the baskets and cool. Uh, went out, uh, spent a day or two at each each park, 
uh-huh. uh, kind of looking over the areas. And some of it was the design on a lot of them was challenging. Um, because yeah. they kind of had, all right, this is the only area that you can put it in. Right. So it, it painted me into a box a little bit, but just having the opportunity to, to go out and get more, more golf on the landscape is ultimately the, the goal and get more people yeah. introduced into the, the sport. So Absolutely. And it's not like every course has to be this big championship caliber difficult thing. I mean, yep. I think a lot of courses, especially state rec areas like that, just the fact that there is a course introducing people to the game and being able to play something easy and just like a casual sense. I think that's super important. Absolutely. I mean, just having those those beginner level courses growing up in Kearney. I mean, I played Centennial a lot and yeah. Cotton Mill, the original nine when, when dad first didn't uh, installed that. So it was very, very cool to be able to kind of continue that that process. And across the state, it was Medicine Creek um, down by Cambridge, uh-huh. put in a, a nine-hole course up down there. Also out at Lewis and Clark State Recreation Area. Yeah, I've actually Crofton, driven through so. that campground that has the course there. Yeah. I was up in South Dakota and was just checking out the Nebraska side on the lake and didn't know there was a course there. I was driving through the campground, just looked over, and there's a basket. Nice. This is great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. There, uh, Fremont State Recreation Area. Okay. Um, Willow Creek. Uh huh. And Pawnee, right? Pawnee. Yeah. Yeah. That's, my, that's a neat little course out there. Yeah, it is. My fiance and I go kayaking a lot out at Pawnee in the summer. Yeah. A couple of those baskets are just like right on the, uh, the waterfront there. And yeah. then you get the sunset. Coming in, just like hanging out, putting on those baskets in the evening. It's great, man. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So what's the future look like with putting more disc golf courses in and state rec areas? Because you told me there was a couple things, right? Uh, absolutely. No, there's there's a lot of desire to kind of expand on what I started there. And yeah. I've had more more people reach out to me wanting to put courses in, and Lewis and Clark wants to expand theirs to a full eighteen. So nice. that would be that would be great. Ponca State Park has showed interest, as well as Niobrara State Park. There's absolutely endless cool opportunities at both of those, yeah, those areas. I, I have not been to Ponca, but Ni- Niobrara would be awesome. Yeah, like that that has a ton of potential up there. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of, a lot of space, a lot of open real estate to, to make something special up there for sure. Nice. So you also mentioned Platte River. Yep. Correct. That, that would be great, man. That's, that's a lovely park. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really neat park. I'm fortunate enough to, to be right next door to it and spend a lot of time over there. Um, working closely with the park staff over there as well. Um, we've got a, like I was saying before, we've got a great team, and kind of within the whole region, we collaborate on a lot of different projects, and being able to to get a, another course right down the road would be Yeah, would I mean, be I, I feel like a, a course at Platte River or up at Niobrara, I mean, that just with the landscape that there, those have the potential to be some of the top courses in the state if those got put in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any, any sort of timeline on those, or is that just kind of like a, something Don't- that could or will be happening at some point something that could could be happening there's there's discussion uh, nothing that i've i've got set in stone yet on any dates or uh, but kind of we've we've sat down i've chatted with each of the areas and there's there's potential to to have that happen so so dusty got cotton mill put in how how did he get involved with playing um originally some of the some of the seasonals that was working for for dad had had some discs and said hey we're gonna go go play down at centennial yeah um and 
dad went along with him and had said, wow, this is, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I never knew about this. Yeah. And uh, it, it just kind of kind of snowballed from there. Dad saw that as an opportunity to get outside with my sister and myself and um, sure. kind of as a whole 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 family and mom. And we, we spent a lot of time out playing and dad being out of cotton mill, he said, all right, this is all kinds of opportunity out there um, to get a get an awesome course. Oh, yeah. in, I so. mean, I, that's like a lot of people's favorite course in the state. That's yep. a great park. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's been really, really neat going through that with, with dad. I mean, we kind of started our own business when we started designing, designing courses. And most of the time I went around with him and helped design a lot of those courses. So cool. Um, the very first one that I, I helped was out in Ogallala. So dad and I basically drove around the state putting in disc golf courses on our free time, um, Hastings and McCook and Holdridge. You, you guys and, did McCook? Yep, we did McCook. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. I played in a tournament out there probably two months ago. That was the first tournament I had played in seven years, I think. And yeah, fantastic park. Lots of great elevation, yep. bunch of different shots. Nice work on that. Yeah, yeah. No, McCook's an awesome course, and a lot of them have just really taken off, and it's excited to kind of continue that. I, I think I think I've had a hand in about 30 with 30 different courses with Jeez. dad and the ones that I've put in. So Wow, that's crazy. Pretty prolific stuff there, <laughs> man. Well, I, I feel like we should... We should relive our glory days of being the uh, 2004 Devils World <laughs> Championship team. <laughs> Absolutely. In the, in the Junior 2 division. I can't forget about that. Yeah. Do you, do you remember much of playing in that event? I, I, I do. I, I mean, it was it was early on, but down in down in Des Moines, it was yeah. it was some awesome courses and it was it was new to me. And the first Worlds that I played in was in KC in 03. So, oh, um, okay. Gone through that a little bit. They didn't have juniors in KC, so I just played AM, and it was it was fun. It was challenging, but yeah, um, not ha- not playing with anybody else my age. I got my butt kicked. So oh, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, when when we won the doubles, we played against uh, the team that got second was Devin Owens, yeah. who's one of the top pros in Oklahoma now, which is pretty awesome. And I think we beat them by one stroke to win that doubles worlds. Which we we did awesome. yeah. Playing alternate, playing alternate shot the last round. It was back and forth, and yeah, I, I do remember it coming like down to the wire. Yeah, being being alternate shot for the last round was something completely different. We hadn't really sat down a whole lot and practiced, and well, yeah, because you and I had never done a doubles event together before. That was no, we, that was the first we one. We were both just going to be in Des Moines and from Nebraska. So like, yeah, we should do this. We'd kind of di- discussed it a little bit before we we got started. And yeah, kind of went on the the fly, and both brought good things to the table, and we're yeah. able to to kind of shock shock ourselves. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, we came out with a, a world title. Uh, yeah. how, how cool is that? Yeah. So was it that year that your sister won the yep. singles division? It was. Yep. In Des Moines, she I think it was what thirteen and under something like that. Yeah, that yeah. She had, That's great. It was a big year for Nebraska Disc Golf. It was. I'm not sure if it was that year. I think Andrew Chisholm's son might have been up there. I feel like there was a couple people from Nebraska at that event. Some tournaments from back then kind of blend together in my mind <laughs> a little bit. It was a while ago now. It was. I didn't know you played in the Worlds in 2003. So you did 03, 
04 in Des Moines. Yeah. And then you did 05 in Flagstaff. I did. Was it, Were those the three worlds that you did? Yeah, those were the three that I'd, I'd participated in. So. Okay. So I was looking through the results of the worlds in Flagstaff on the PDGA website, and you tied for ninth place with Paul McBeth that year. Yeah. Which is... Crazy. That was that's his first tournament like listed in his you know the PDGA records. Yeah. Did you actually play a round with him? I actually played four rounds with Paul. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah. No, that that worlds was a lot of fun. A lot of great courses down in in Flagstaff, Phoenix area that we'd we had played and played with a lot of a lot of kids in that. Um, even practice rounds playing with yeah Paul Nico Castro was down there uh, yeah Devin I think was yeah Nico down there played again, in the so. 2004 Worlds that are in the same division that we played in yeah yeah I saw in the Flagstaff Worlds played with Paul James Conrad was playing there yeah um, yeah played with, played with James and it was nice. ac- actually kind of funny because. When I mentioned earlier, when we were playing out in Frisco, I, we actually just happened to meet up on the the course with James and his dad oh, really? when we were out in Colorado. So I'd actually played with him before we played down in Flagstaff. So oh, nice, that's yeah. cool. And yeah, Paul Uliberry was another guy. Yeah, it's nuts looking back through those PDJ Worlds results of years that I played and years that you played, and some of the other kids that were playing in those tournaments are some of the top players in the world right now. Yeah, which is really wild. Yep, absolutely. Kind of, kind of makes me wish I didn't quit playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah a absolutely. It I makes mean, you, obviously, those guys are at a completely different level. Yeah, it, it it makes you it makes you sit and think, going, well, if I'd uh, I'd have gone through and continued to, yeah. to 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 drive. I mean, both of us had more than enough raw talent and potential to to be right up there, yeah, doing doing the same thing. So, yeah. So the first worlds that I played in was in '98 in Appleton, Wisconsin. And I played against Garrett Gerthy, and I think there were three other Gerthys there, too. And, I mean, I just got smoked that year. I did terrible. But the next year in Kansas City, I won the Junior 3 division, and Nate Doss won the Junior 2 division that year. And, yeah, you're playing against Paul, who's one of the best players of all time. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was was cool down down in Flagstaff. We were doing some of the different different fun activities long drive contest and different things like that so right next to me i was different different divisions but david wiggins jr yeah was we were on the uh, on the t-box basically at the same time throwing throwing drives and bombing it so yeah it was was fun fun just seeing all the all the people that you met through the years succeed and have, have success it's it's cool to be able to kind of have that that knowledge and yeah, interesting to think back on. I mean, yeah, like I said earlier, after quitting playing for so long, it's just like, God damn it. Wish <laughs> it's it's been it's been a challenge getting back into it the last couple months. It was a little rusty. I mean a lot of it a lot of it comes back pretty quick, but it's been different getting back into playing, man. Like my body doesn't respond as well as it used to. Like I, I have to stretch a lot more before I play now. I've yeah. got like these resistance bands that I need to use and have like a problem with my hip and it's like when i was younger i would just go out and play like 50 some holes in a day no problem and go yeah out the you next wouldn't day. be sore afterwards and- oh yeah <laughs> Dude, it's like now when i play I'll, I'll take like in a leave before a round for my <laughs> hip and i have to like do all this stretching and stuff it's yeah. it sucks yeah what's your uh what's your favorite course in the state oh i'd I don't know. It's it, I'm torn because I designed Chattern, but I haven't completely played it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that one. But. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, growing up 
playing Cotton Mill as much yeah. as we did. I mean, that's that's definitely up there. I mean, I I grew up on that course playing weekly with dad and yeah it's hard to beat all of those those fond memories but yeah absolutely um, having your your stamp on being out at Shadron and designing that and spending a lot of countless hours cutting down trees and timber and creating the the course is uh, another fond memory of etching it out of the trees and yeah and woods so on doing that i i enjoy it had an experience when we had the the pasture course out in amherst um did doing tournaments out in the pasture and ice bowls out there and so that that was like a course on your own personal out, land yep then. out on our property yeah i vaguely yep. remember like you guys talking about that yeah yeah just no. like a, a little nine hole thing or something no it was 18 18 really? holes <laughs> yeah jeez okay yeah. well with with dad designing courses and all the commission and different things, we just put back into to gear and baskets. So we had full course of baskets and out in the pastures. So. No wonder you guys got so good so fast. Yeah. Had, <laughs> <laughs> had a course in the backyard there, had cotton mill down the street. Yeah. Yeah. No. And actually just around the house, once we originally started playing, dad had just designed cotton mill. So I got it in my mind. All right, I'm going to design my own course around the house out in Amherst. So yeah. Um, when I first first started playing dad had discs i didn't have anything yet i had to get get creative all right how how what can i find around the the house we didn't have a single frisbee in the house uh-huh. and so what i did was was take two one gallon ice cream bucket lids <laughs> <laughs> and i snapped them together i had two different brands one one was like a bigger lid and uh, <laughs> it snapped over the top of the second one and you threw it and they stayed together it gave me more weight <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was the the very first frisbee that i i made for myself because i remember playing out at cotton mill and down along hole number two, um, Dad was letting me borrow some of his, and I found one. And I was I was so excited. All right, I've got my own disc now, but it had somebody's name on it. So, yeah. all right, let's let's give that that person a call. Right. Um, so we we called, and the guy was ecstatic that I was able to find his find his disc. It was a cheetah. that i that i first found so i was i was kind of a little bummed bummed out like oh i I thought i had my first first disc and so i went home and and made my own and played a little bit and then then dad (laughs) dad made a big deal uh, about it going out and and buying my first disc in in carney and i'd i'd picked out a wolf so i was nice i was all all set but how how old were you when you like first started playing Oh, probably seven, something like that. Okay. That's funny about taping together those ice cream lids, man. <laughs> that reminds me of just like stuff I did when I was a kid. Yeah. We had a lot of like mini disc golf baskets. If we weren't out playing on the course, it was just like out in the yard playing with those things nonstop, you know, just creating my own little courses around the neighborhood and putting the basket in neighbor's yards and <laughs> stuff like that. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, it's fun. I'd mentioned my daughter Brooklyn. We we do the same thing. I've got a basket in the backyard, and so she comes up with all kinds of crazy courses. That all right? This this hole you've got to play over to the swing, and then you have to throw it throw it through the slide in the backyard, and then yeah. go over to the basket. <laughs> and she just has fun yeah. doing that as well. So it's oh yeah, it's it, it's fun seeing things come full circle, kind of when when you started and kind of getting the next generation up and going. And yeah, absolutely, man. It'll be fun. The future's bright for sure. All right. Well, thank you for coming by and being on the podcast and 
good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you, you as well. Like, I don't know how long it's been. It's 15 been years, something. Too, too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Jake Rodick for hanging out. Say what's up to him if you see him around Mahoney, if you're out there playing. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe on your platform of choice. Give the show a rating on iTunes. A lot of people have given the show a rating. Love to see that. Thank you. I've got some more guests lined up in the future. Excited to get them on the show and talk about disc golf. If you have anything in particular you'd like me to cover, don't be hesitant to drop me a line on social media or email me at nebraskadiscgolfpodcast at gmail.com. There's so much cool stuff happening in the state, and I'm bound to miss some of it. So shoot me a message with some updates. Let me know what's happening. I'll be back in a few weeks with another episode. Stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Zen Llama for sponsoring the pod. And thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Yeah.